Hello and welcome to this episode of the Chemistry Made Simple podcast. I'm your host Matthew Macario and this time we're going to be talking about titration. Welcome back if you've been a regular listener. Great to have you back. I really appreciate you coming back to listen. If you're a new listener, good news. You're in the right place if you want to become chemistry confident. So this week's episode is an introduction to titration. We're going to talk about what is titration. We're going to talk about the different types of titration you need to know about, how titration is done and what you need to do it. And we'll talk a little bit about the calculation that you do with titration as well. So to start with, what is titration? Titration is an analytical method. In other words, it's something that we do in order to measure the concentration of something. And that something is a sample that we need to work out the concentration of something within it. A good example, a common example is an acid-based titration where our sample might be a solution of acid whose concentration we don't know, but we need to work out. And that's where the titration comes in. Or our sample could be a base of unknown concentration and we need to work out what the concentration is. So that brings us on to the different types of titration. So we mentioned acid-base titrations. That just means that we're going to use the reaction between an acid and a base to be able to calculate the concentration of one of them. We have to, of course, know the concentration of the other. The other common example you will come across is redox titrations. Redox is an abbreviation for reduction and oxidation. So a redox reaction is one where one of the substances is oxidized and the other is reduced. So in this titration, we'd be able to work out the concentration of the substance being oxidized or the concentration of the substance being reduced by reacting it with the opposite agent. So how do we do a titration? The method of a titration is to measure out a known volume of our sample that we need to work out the concentration of into a flask and then to exactly react it with something that it reacts with. So let's use our, an example of our acid-base titration. In this example, we're going to consider that our sample is a solution of acid of unknown concentration. We know what the acid is, but we don't know the concentration of it. Because we know what the acid is, we know what reacts with that acid, and it would be a base. So in our titration, we will measure out a known volume of our acid sample and then react it with a base of known concentration until it's completely reacted. And importantly, exactly the point it's completely reacted. And we call that point the end point, the point where we've added exactly the right amount of base to completely react with all the acid, but no more. How do we know when we've reached the end point? We use an indicator such as phenolphthalene or methyl orange, for example, and these change colour at the end point. And therefore, when you're adding the base solution to the acid, you can see exactly the point where the reaction is complete. You can see that end point and you can stop the titration at that point. So how do we know how much base we've added at that point? That comes down to the apparatus that we use for titration. Let's just think about the apparatus for a titration. Firstly, we need a flask that we will perform the reaction in, just a conical flask. We'd have a pipette to measure out an exact volume of our sample into that flask. 
We also need a burette that we're going to put our standard solution in, our base in this example. We also have a bottle of indicator and we would use some sort of a dropper to put the indicator into the flask with the sample. How do we proceed? So firstly, use the pipette to measure the exact volume, say 10 milliliters of our sample, our acid of unknown concentration into the flask. Then we would add a few drops of the indicator. Off we would add some distilled water as well, just to make the volume bigger, to make it easier to see our endpoint. Then the flask is put below the burette that contains our base solution. We've noted down the graduation of the meniscus on the burette before we start. And we would slowly add base from the burette into the flask, swirling the flask continuously. Now there is a bit of an art to doing this well, but that comes with a little bit of practice. Basically, you need to open and close the tap, adding fairly small quantities, perhaps a, a milliliter or two at a time initially, and you'll see the color change of the solution. And as you approach the end point, you'll see the color change of the indicator hanging around a lot longer while you swirl the flask, but it changes back to its original color. So if our indicator was phenolphthalein, for example, it starts colorless in the acid solution, but as we add base, you'll see some pink coloration appear. As you swirl the flask, that color vanishes again. As you approach the end point, that color becomes more prominent and lasts longer while you swirl the flask. And that's the point at which you need to slow down and start allowing only drop by drop additions from the burette. And when you get to the drop where the color change stays, it doesn't go back to colorless, that is the point you stop. That's the end point. That's the point that the base that you've added has exactly neutralized the acid in the flask. And at this point, you need to take a note of the reading on the burette again so that you can calculate the volume of base that has been added. The volume of base added is, of course, just the final burette reading minus the initial burette reading. And that volume is what we call the titer, T-I-T-R-E, of the titrant, the base solution that we've added and you would note that down. Now we don't do this just once, we would usually do this three times and make sure that we've got at least two titrations that have got very similar titer values. And so we would note down that our three titer values are three volumes from our three titrations that we've done. And that brings us to the point of calculation. So we need to look at those three tighter values and decide whether they're all good values. They're all very close to each other. So all within say 0.1 or 0.2 milliliters or whether two of those values are close, but one isn't. If there is one value that isn't close to the other two, that's an outlier and we should discard it. If all three are close, don't discard any of the values. The next thing to do is calculate the average of the titration volumes. And that's our average titer, our average titration volume. Now we can use that to calculate the number of moles of the base that we have used. We know what the base is, we know its concentration, and now we know its volume. And if we multiply the average volume by the concentration in moles per liter, and we take into account that our volume is in milliliters, then we will have the number of moles of base that we've added. And from that, we can calculate the number of moles of acid that were in the sample that we pipetted out. You need the balanced equation of the reaction between the acid and the base to work out the ratio in which the acid and the base react, the stoichiometry. Taking into account that ratio, 
you can calculate the number of moles of acid that were in the portion that you pipetted out into the flask. And knowing the volume that you pipetted out, you'll be able to calculate the number of moles per liter of acid that were in that sample. So let's summarize that again. A known volume of our sample is pipetted out into a flask. Then we titrate to the endpoint using the standard that's in the burette, using the indicator to tell us when the endpoint is. We repeat and calculate the average volume that we needed to add from the burette, and we can calculate the number of moles, the average number of moles we added. Then using the balanced equation, we can calculate the number of moles of acid that were in the portion that we pipetted into the flask. Knowing the volume that we pipetted out, we can calculate the concentration of that acid. We can use a similar approach if we have a sample of base that we need to calculate the concentration of. We would pipette that into the flask and use an acid of known concentration in the burette. Again, we can use the same indicator, but we're looking for the color change in the opposite direction. So in the example we talked about, the phenolphthalein would start purple in the base and our endpoint is when the solution just stays colorless. And the methodology of titrations can be used when we're not using an acid-base reaction, where our sample is neither. For example, we could be doing a redox titration, find the concentration of a substance that's being oxidized by titrating against a standard solution of known concentration of a solution that will oxidize it. An example is if we had a solution of iron 2 plus and we needed to know its concentration, we could titrate against the standard solution of potassium permanganate, or you might know as potassium manganate 7. There's a redox reaction between these and there's a colour change that is easily seen, which will help us to find the endpoint of when the reaction is exactly complete. Of course, knowing the concentration of the potassium manganate 7 and the stoichiometry of the reaction, we can calculate what the concentration of the iron 2 plus was. And there, of course, there are many redox titrations, so there are many possible applications for this type of titration as well. Let's have a quick recap about what we've talked about today. Firstly, we talked about titration being an analytical technique where we find the exact number of moles of one substance that is required to exactly react with a substance of unknown concentration. And that enables us to find out what that unknown concentration is. We talked about the different types of titration that you're likely to face, so the acid-base titrations and redox titrations. We talked about how you perform the experiment, setting up a burette with a solution of known concentration, pipetting a sample of unknown concentration into a flask, adding an indicator, and then using the burette to add the standard until you reach the endpoint, and repeating the experiment to get consistent results. We also talked about how we would use the balanced equation and the number of moles of the standard that we've used to calculate the concentration of the unknown, the concentration of our sample. So I hope this has been useful. Please do get in touch if you have questions on this topic. We'd like to hear another topic on the podcast. The best way to get in touch is to DM on Instagram. I'm at chemistry made simple. If you'd prefer to email me, that's fine too, matthew at chemistrymadesimple.net. Really look forward to hearing from you and appreciate the questions and the feedback that I've been receiving already. Thank you very much. It's really inspiring to make some more episodes that are on the topics that are being asked about.
please press your subscribe button so that you don't miss the next episode. And I really look forward to speaking to you again in that next episode very soon. Until then, take care of yourself and goodbye.